Today we're kicking off a series called Honest to God. We're looking at the main elements of Christianity in our practice and faith, things like reading the Bible, praying, understanding the message, the gospel, and, and just admitting that if we were all honest to God that some of those things really don't always connect with us. And so we want to deal with um, those, those uh, thoughts, those ideas, and help deepen your connection with them through this series. And today I want to talk to you about the Bible. You know, for a lot of people, if we were really honest to God and ourselves, we would say, I just can't get into reading the Bible. I don't know if you've ever been like that. You've, you've read it and it's kind of been words on a page. Uh, maybe it doesn't make any sense to you at all. Maybe you just don't want to read it and don't have any desire for it at all. And, and we know that the Word of God should be a very important part of our life. It should be very central to who we are. Uh, it's supposed to define how we live our lives, how we see ourselves, how we see the world, how we interact with each other. And so there's this huge value and expectation placed on the Bible And so what we want to do today is help you make a better connection. And I want to give you five barriers that get in the way of us connecting with our Bible reading. Five barriers in connecting with our Bible reading. The first one is this, is that we don't understand the plot of the Bible. That's the first point I want to give you today. When we look at the Bible, we don't understand its main plot, its setting, its author, its its main purpose. You know, and for many of us, we read it and we're trying to find our life in it. We're trying to find relevance. You're in the New Testament and there's all kinds of agricultural terms and analogies. And you're like, dude, I don't get that. Uh, you read the Old Testament and it's like you got all of these names that you can't pronounce. And, and man, if you've jumped in and you started reading in the Minor Prophets, it's just like these really negative, harsh guys condemning all of these people for not loving God. And, and it gets a really confusing. And what we don't understand is that the Bible is a collection of books. It's a book of books. And, and I know this may be very basic for some of you, but I want to review it because there are people that listen online that this is like their first exposure to Christianity. I would also encourage you to kind of internalize some of this because we want you to sit down with somebody else that's curious about Jesus and about the Bible, and they need to know these things as well. But the Bible is a collection of books. It's, it's letters, if you will, where God is inspired and said, hey, write these things down. This is my message to my people. And so it's a collection of books. And this book of books has uh, wisdom and poetry. It has historical elements. It has uh, Jewish cultural elements, the first five books of the Bible. You have New Testament that has eyewitness accounts, and then you have letters to the church, and then the birth of the church, and you have uh, end times, and you have all of these collections that give us this really big picture of a really big God. And it's all compiled together into what we call the Bible. But all of these books... 66 different books, 40 different authors, 1,500-year period that they were written, all of them collectively have one overarching message, one plot line, if you will. And that plot line is God's redemptive heart for all of creation. That's the plot. Every book, that's, that's the bottom line. It reveals God's redemptive heart for all of creation. See, we see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. It says, And now I want to remind you, my friends, of the good news which I have preached to you, which you have received, on which your faith stands firm. This is the gospel. Gospel means good news. This is the message. This is the plot. So when you see the word gospel, it's talking about plot of the Bible. The message that I have preached to you. You are saved 
by the gospel, by this message, if you hold firmly to it, unless it was for nothing that you have believed. I pass it on to you what I have received, which is of the greatest importance, that Christ died for our sins, as is written in the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he was raised to life three days later, as it was written in the scriptures. And so verse 3 kind of says this good news, this overarching plot of the Bible that calls us to believe is based on this idea that Christ died for our sins, according to the scripture, everything that the Bible talks about points to Jesus, that ultimate act on the cross, that Christ died on the cross according to the scriptures, and then he rose again on the third day because he's God and only God can rise from the dead. And, and that's the main plot of the Bible. And the whole message of the cross and the resurrection is that God can breathe spiritual life into spiritually dead people. God wants to redeem humanity. This is the plot of the Bible. There are four chapters, if you will, in the big picture of the Bible. The first chapter is what God designed for creation to have. See, when we read the book of Genesis, humanity interacted with God with no barriers, no shame, no distance. They didn't want to run and hide from God. They didn't see him as a harsh, condemning, cruel father who was distant and far away. They knew that they were cared for, that they were loved for, that they, that they were secure in their relationship with God and that they could interact with God face to face. But we all know that humanity likes to do their own thing, right? You like to make your own decisions. You like to call your own shots. And so we, we look at God and we see this relationship and what God has for us. And God says, listen, I want you to stay in this relationship. I want you to understand that this is the way the world works. I want you to see things through my eyes. And we're thinking, God, I want to see the world through my own eyes. I want my own version of right and wrong. I want my own version of knowledge of good and evil. I want to hold that and possess that and start to create a world in my own view. And that's led us to rebel against God. We don't always do what God wants us to do. That's chapter 2. What God intended, how man responds and rebels. So man rebels and that leads to all kinds of sins, all kinds of brokenness, all kinds of hardship in our life and in the lives of people around us. And we don't have to dig very far into our own heart to realize that we have done things, said things, and, and been passive about things that have inflicted great harm upon other people, upon the world. And we are part of this collective noise, this pain, if you will, that's in creation. So that's chapter two. Chapter three in the plot is that God loves his creation, enters into his creation to redeem his creation. That's the third chapter is redemption. So we have God's design, we have man's rebellion, and we have Jesus's redemption. God, instead of hating his people, instead of saying, you know what, you've rejected me, so I reject you, God makes this incredible plea to humanity. He enters into his creation, the very creation that has rejected him, entered into culture and said, you know what, you don't care about me, but I care deeply about you. And he says, I want you to know who God really is because in your version of right and wrong, you make me far less and far more harsh than I really am. You make me less than I am. And so he reveals himself to us. It's like God introduces himself to us. This is what's so different about Christianity. What's so different about religion is that it's not based on these ideas, these creeds, these teachings of a pastor, priest, or a church. It's about the person of God entering into humanity, introducing himself so that people can research him, know him, love him, follow him, and serve him. 
And so Jesus appears and he says, I'm God. I want you to know what I'm like. And I also want to show you that you can have a restored relationship with your father, the heavenly father. I'm going to show you what it's like as a human being, as God in the flesh to interact with God, the father. And so he does two things. He shows us a clear picture of God and then he shows us a clear picture of who we can be in relationship with him. And he offers us this renewed relationship. He offers us to take away that guilt and that shame and to breathe new life in us by taking the punishment that's rightfully ours on the cross. So God comes and says, listen, I live as an example. You don't measure up. You're guilty. But instead of condemning you, I offer you grace if you simply choose me over yourself. So it's the redemption of a very bad, independent, rebellious life, turning from that rebellion, saying, God, I want your version of the world. And then chapter four is what that process looks like in your life and how it positively renews the world around you, how it changes your marriage, how it influences your coworkers how it leads your friends in the faith, how it raises up your children to process God in the midst of confusing messages. It's renewal. This is the plot line of the Bible. Everything in the Bible either points to our need for that or points to the work of that happening in our life and the world around us. And if we don't understand that the Bible is ultimately about God and God redeeming humanity out of its own brokenness and wants to use us to spread that message of redemption throughout all the world, then we will not get anything out of the Bible. We'll sit there and we'll try to find ourselves in it. We'll try to make ourselves the hero of the story. We'll try to drag God into our much lesser existence. And it gets really frustrating really quick. See, we see this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. There is another reason why we always give thanks to God. When we brought you God's message, you heard it and accepted it. Here's what's interesting. Most of us hear God's message and we want to debate it. We look at that big chapter and says, you know what, I, I like my own narrative. I want to create my own plot. You can, you can try to apply the Bible to your life. And that's where we get all kinds of crazy stuff like prosperity gospel, where God is ultimately concerned about white evangelicals' wealth and prosperity in the world. Or we can get a moralistic gospel where we're out over there beating people over the heads, telling them what horrible people they are, and if we can just make them feel enough shame, they'll want to come into our community and receive the grace that we're communicating to them, which isn't really grace at all. See, we can try to apply the Bible to our perspective, or we can realize that God communicates it and we're supposed to accept it. We apply our lives to his story. We realize that we were created in his image. And who are we to create God in ours? And he says, there's a reason to give thanks because when we brought you this message, you heard it and you accepted it, not as a message from human beings, but as a message from God, which is indeed it is. For God is at work in you who believe. See, the Bible isn't religious writing. It's God's personal message to humanity. He's showing us why things are the way they are. He's giving us a solution for renewal and redemption in our lives and in the world around us. 
He's offering us life through his word. The second barrier that we run into in trying to connect with God's word is that we read into it and we don't let it speak for itself. You ever done that, right? We've touched on this a little bit. We read into the Bible, right? We're, we're trying to figure out God's will for our life because after all, we're told that if, if we pray according to Jesus's name, then he gives us whatever we want. And we got this really cool thing that we want. We want this job. We want this person in our life. We want whatever it is that we want. And we start reading into the Bible. Some of us fall less on that want side of things. And some of us look at our lives and we see ourselves as less than we really are. We have no value and no worth. And we read the Bible as if it's a condemning, harsh message that's there to beat us up at every corner. We read into the Bible. Instead of letting it speak for itself, instead of asking ourselves good questions, you know, who is speaking to whom? What is being said? Why is it being said? What would it look like if I applied it to my life? Instead of doing some basic investigative work here, and saying, what is the Bible really saying? What does it really mean? And let it speak to our lives. We put on a set of lenses, if you will, whatever that is. God's saying, hey, take the lenses off. Just listen and let me speak truth and life to you. That's hard to do, isn't it? Because we don't always get the answers that we want when we want. See, we see this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. All scripture is inspired by God. It's breathed out by God. And it's useful for teaching the truth, rebuking error, correcting faults, giving instruction for right living, so that the person who serves God may be fully qualified and equipped to do every kind of good deed. We don't really read it as an open book and say, God... This is your message to me. I need to listen. Even if I've read this thing a hundred times, even if I think I got it all figured out, God, I'm going to sit here in humility and let your work do, your word do the work that it was designed to do. Sometimes it instructs me in truth. Sometimes it rebukes me, calls me out. Sometimes it corrects decisions that I've made. Sometimes it gives me just the right wisdom to know the right thing to do at the right time. But God's word is there to help us be qualified, equipped, to be able to do every kind of good deed. To make good decisions for ourselves, to treat people around us that we love the most with kindness, to treat people that we don't even know with goodness and kindness, that we can actually sense the presence of God in our lives to enjoy the relationship. See, we get it, right? Every relationship has rules. If you want a healthy relationship with anybody, whether it's a friendship, a coworker, a spouse, a child, there are certain relational rules, and most of them are unspoken. We don't dig into them enough to think about it, but we know that there are certain things that we can do and can't do. Some things that we can do that's gonna help the friendship, and other things we can do that's really gonna hurt the friendship. And God's word helps us see the things that we can do and the things that we can't do to help our relationship with God become healthy. But if we're too busy reading into it and making God serve us, that's kind of a one-sided manipulative relationship, isn't it? God's saying, I love you. I've provided this for you. Here's what I want you to have. Here's how it can be redeemed in your life. Here's what it looks like moving forward. 
You know, you take that four chapters of the gospel. Here's what God intended. Here's why it never connects. Here's what Jesus wants to redeem. And here's what it looks like in my daily life moving forward. It breathes life into us. Helps us make better decisions. Bigger decisions. We also see this in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. The word of God is alive and active. Listen, it's not just inspirational, it's not just powerful, it's not just intriguing and creative, it is alive and active. This is a very different message. It's, it's a word that embodies life. And when people internalize it, it is life-changing. Not just the way they see life, but the way they act and respond in life. It's living and active. It's alive and active. And it's sharp, man. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It will cut all the way through, it says, to where the soul and spirit meet, to where your desires and your will and actions meet, to the motivations of your motivations, parts of your body that you can't even go into, parts of your emotions and will that you can't even discern. The Word of God can read you like a book, speak into your life, and get right down to the separating point between why God wants what He wants and why you don't want it. To where joints and marrow come together. It judges the desires and thoughts of the heart. Listen, if God's Word does not get in your business and call you out every now and then, you're probably not reading it right. If everything you read affirms you and you're just a perfect person and you're never called out, I promise you, you're reading into the Bible. You're not letting it call you out. And we shouldn't be afraid to be called out, right? If you go to a doctor and, he, and you didn't know this, you know, and your diet contains a double cheeseburger twice a day for every day of your life, and the doctor says, listen, double cheeseburgers are going to kill you. Here's the information. Here's why that's not true. This is why you feel the way you feel. You're going to take that information, and you're going to have to say, am I going to trust what the doctor says? Or am I going to read into it and say, maybe he just likes chicken more than he likes beef. You're going to heed the information, right? Because you know, even if it's harsh, it's for your own good. That if I don't make the adjustment, if I don't heed the information, if I don't allow it to pierce and bring me to the point, it's like, man, you're right. I'm filling my life with things that don't really matter. I'm filling the world with things that are far less glorious than what God would have for me to do. All because I want God to serve me and my wants. There's freedom when you receive that information. And on the other side, you find life. You find healing. You find hope. And so do people around you. The third barrier is that we read only for information and ammunition. Man. <laughs> this is where you got a point to prove. And instead of using the word to build people up, we use the word to beat people over the head. See, there's a difference between exhortation and condemnation. Exhortation is, here's the truth. This is what God has for us. And it's communicated in a way that calls people near. This is what God does. God exhorts his people. He's very plain. He's very obvious. He's like, here's what I desire. Here's who I am. I want to help you do this. I want you to come near to me. I want to help you. I want to be a part of your life. Come to me. Just come to me. That's God's message. 
The New Testament, Jesus, how many times did he say, come to me, follow me, come to me, follow me, come to me, follow me. That's his message. It's the bottom line. I'm here to renew you. I'm here to restore you. I want to give you renewal. I want to use you to renew other people. Come to me, follow me. It's calling people in. And it's, it's this truth that says it's grace and it's powerful and it's a little painful, but I, it's in love and I want to be there. That's where I want to be. When Jesus spoke, that happened. Thousands of people listened because his tone and his message matched. But for some of us, we're just reading for information. We got a point to prove. We got an opinion that we have. And we want to tell the world why we're right. And so we read the Bible with somebody else in mind or some social issue in mind or something that we feel like has to be corrected in somebody else. Because after all, We've missed the first two points that it's ultimately about God and we're supposed to apply our lives to him. But if we throw those two things out, then this is a natural conclusion. The word of God is nothing more than information and ammunition. And we don't care what effect it has. We don't care about our tone. We care nothing about sensitivity or where people are at, their receptivity. We don't even know how to use the word of God in spirit and truth and grace and love. And as a result, because we don't understand the heart of God, we don't understand the the story of God, we miss the message of God. And the word falls flat in our lives. We see this. 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. We write to you about the word of life. (laughs) So the word of life, Jesus, what he's spoken is meant to give us life. So that means that when we speak the word of God, it should give other people life which has existed from the very beginning. We have heard it and we have seen it with our eyes. And yes, we have seen it and our hands have touched it. And when this life became visible, we saw it. So we speak of it and we tell you about the eternal life, which was with the Father and has been made known to us. Verse three, what we have seen and and heard, we announce to you also. Here's why. So that you will join with us in the fellowship, in the friendship that we have with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So when we read the Word of God, if it doesn't call us into relationship with Jesus and the Father, then we're not reading it right. If what we read makes us want to run and flee, we're missing the point. If we don't hear Jesus' word saying, here's some truth, I want to restore you, come to me. If you don't hear that voice in the background, you're not reading it right. If you're sharing verses on the Bible to correct people, to push people away and not draw them near, you have to ask yourself, is what I'm about to say, what I've seen, what I've heard, what I understand, what I've touched, what I've sensed in my own life, if that's really true, it's very hard to communicate in a way that shoves people down the road. Now listen. You may not be in charge of everybody's response in the Bible, right? Or in in the culture that you communicate with. Because some people are going to read it and want nothing to do with it. Because they haven't gotten over themselves yet. That was me. Until I was 20 years old and Christ invaded my life, that was me. Anybody that wanted to share a Bible verse with me, tell me anything about Jesus, I hated it. I didn't want anything to do with it. There was a hardness of heart. But there was something very powerful about the way that people communicated to me. I never questioned whether they loved me. 
and all of the hard truth they shared. And man, they got in my business. But they did it in a way because they truly loved me. And I think they were able to do that because they truly loved God. And it was something that they received from God in humility. And they spoke from a position of humility. I didn't like it. But I heard the clarity of the message of Jesus. I heard truth and grace. I heard it communicated in love. I saw truth and spirit working in their life. And that's what led me to them. So I'm not talking about changing the truth. I'm just saying, do I really believe that God loves me? And do I really believe that God loves everybody around me? And am I speaking from that position when I share his truth with other people? Do I want them to see the beauty of fellowship with the Father? Or do I just want to tell them they're dead wrong? There's a big difference. One calls near, the other one shoves away. Same is true for your life. If that's the voice you hear, you're not going to want to come to the Father. You're not going to want to pick that book up again. See, we also see this in 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. I'm writing this to you, my children, so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, so it's like, well, what do we do? We call people out on sin, right? It's like, listen, I'm writing these words to you. John's saying, listen, God gave me a message. God says he wants you to know what I'm about to share with you so that you don't sin. So here's the fun part, right? But if anyone does sin, we have someone who pleads with the Father on our behalf. Do you see how it goes quickly from sin into redemption? It didn't even list the sin out. It just said sin in general. And then right in there, God's there. Jesus is pleading with the Father on our behalf. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And Christ himself, it says in verse 2, is the means by which our sins are forgiven. We're looking to Jesus. He wants to forgive us because of what he's done on the cross, his love and his grace for us. And not only our sins, but the sins of everyone. So they see themselves amongst broken people needing redemption and being redeemed and helping other people experience that. If we obey God's commands, then we are sure that we know him. In other words, if we're allowing it to change our lives. If we say that we know him, but do not obey his commands, we are liars and there is no truth in us. But if we obey his word, we are the ones whose love for God has really been made perfect. Notice that love leads to obedience. Obedience doesn't lead to love. If we obey his word, it's because we're the ones that love God. That love has been made perfect. We realize how much he loves us. We love him in return. The natural effect of our life is to follow him. This is how we can be sure that we are in union with him. If we say that we remain in union with God, we should live just as Jesus did. We should communicate and interact with people. We should hear the message of the Bible for ourselves, the way Jesus would communicate it. Fourth barrier. This one's going to be fun. We're being hard-headed and hard-hearted. See, we see this in John chapter 5, verse 39 and 40. You study the scriptures, speaking to the scribes and Pharisees, because you think in them you will find eternal life. For them, the ultimate goal is eternal life. What can I consume and take from God? And these very scriptures speak about me. 
see the difference? We're looking for doctrine. We're looking for information. We're trying to build uh, things in our own minds. We have a hard head, and we're not realizing that this word is ultimately telling us about the character and nature of God. And then he goes on. Yet you are not willing to come to me in order to have the life that you want. There's a hard heart. Listen, sometimes we just read the Bible and it challenges the way we think, it challenges the way we feel about ourselves and others, and we just don't want to change. And that's a serious <laughs> demotivator, isn't it? We got one or two options in that point. Let go, repent, as the Bible says, allow God's word to do its work and renewal in our life because that's the message. We're applying our lives to his story. We're not trying to read into it. We're trying to let it speak for itself. And we ultimately want to have soft hearts and pliable lives. But if we're stubborn, then the word of God is not going to help at all. And then the fifth barrier is this. And this is probably where most of us fall short. Maybe the beginning point for all of us when we find ourselves lacking a desire to connect with God or finding it hard to connect in his word. And the fifth reason is this. We read out of duty and not devotion. Right? It's that spiritual discipline. We hear that word discipline and that means obligation. We don't hear it as practice that benefits my good. You know, that helps me. It's a duty. I'm supposed to read my Bible today. If I don't read my Bible today, I'm going to fall into sin. If I fall into sin, then God's going to judge me. If God judges me, I'll leave everything that I love. I go broke, my cars break down, my kids go off the cliff, you know. And we, we tie all of these really weird things together and it gets to be a confusing message. But when you, when you start to pull it back and say, listen, God ultimately has a story He wants me to live in it. He wants me to hear his voice as it is. He wants to speak to me. And he wants me to to really connect with him and have a soft heart. Then I I, I devote myself to that. Spend time with him because I want to. Not because I have to. Because I want to know about his love. I, I want to see my life more clearly. I want to be able to understand the things that happen in my life that are great joys in the way that God wants me to enjoy them. I want to understand the hardships that come in my life in the way that God wants me to understand them. I want to be able to look at the world and the brokenness around me and really see what God's heart is on this because there's not a lot of hope being offered out there, is there? See, duty... It's the worst foundation for any relationship. Some of you are in relationships out of obligation. God wanted you to experience devotion. Somebody that would be willing to lose themselves to love you. And for you to experience the freedom to lose yourself to love that person in return. And when that, you get self-centered and gets all twisted up and you're not willing to move past where you are to where you need to be, the relationships break down. It's just duty. 
see the gospel really is admitting to ourselves that we're broken, but God intended more, that Jesus is capable of redeeming, and he can renew whatever is broken in my life and in the world around me. And if we would just apply ourselves to that message, just believe that basic plot line and open God's word from that perspective, we would find life. Not a magic wand that fixes all the world's problems, not a magic wand that fixes all of your problems, but you'd find life. You would know that God is right there with you. You would know that whatever you're facing right now isn't your end. Whatever the world is facing is not their end either. It gives you a much clearer, hopeful, loving perspective. Because as God, I want to know you. And I'm curious to learn more about why you want to know me. I mean, does that ever strike you? You read the Psalms, and I could tell you God knows the number of hairs on your head, and you can say, wow, that's pretty impressive. God's got a lot of free time on his hands. It's kind of leaning towards the duty scale. Devotion is, God is paying so much attention to me. Loves me so much. Thought about me so much that he memorizes every detail about me. After all, I am part of him. See, the closest thing that I can understand about the Father heart of God is when God has blessed me to be a dad. And I remember looking at each and every one of my kids for the first time. And I knew I could take pictures. But I wanted the image of that newborn child to be imprinted in my mind. And I could call it up at any moment. To the point that I wish I could remember how many hairs were on their head. Ty was really easy. He had like five. <laughs> Emily had a full head of hair when she was born. See, God looks at you like that. He wants to build a relationship on devotion, not duty. Where do we see this? First John chapter 5, verse 13. I write these things to you, to those who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, that you may know that you have life in God that can never end. A relationship that begins where God never quits on you, where he's going to see through everything that he has started in your life. Eternal life. A relationship with God for all eternity that goes from brokenness into perfection for all of eternity. That's the message of the Bible. That's what he wants you to take away every time you read. Devotion. Now, Jesus did many other signs, it says in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. He did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written, right? 
The words that we're reading today, these things are written so that you may believe, that you may trust, that you may internalize and hold dear, let your life center around, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he was the Messiah, God in the flesh, the Son of God who came to redeem us, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Not existence, but life. He wants your devotion. Not your duty. and the heart behind the message of the Bible. I want to give you a, a, just the next step here so that you can take something with you today. So how can you read the Bible and get something out of it? You know, the first thing I want to say is that you just need to make time. You know, some of you guys have no margin in your life. You run from sun up to sundown, full of activity. You, you don't know how to rest. If you can't take 10 minutes out of your schedule to sit down with an open Bible then you really have to look at your life. You, you're going to run yourself into the grave. Physically, mentally, emotionally, you cannot exist that way for very long. Your body needs rest. So whether it's when you first wake up or when you put your head down on a pillow at night or it's on your lunch break at work or midday, whatever your flex is, take a few minutes, make time for it. And I'm not asking for you to make some crazy commitment. Some of you guys think, man, I'm gonna read the Bible an hour a day, every day this week. Great, if you can do that. Most of you, you're not there. Emotionally, you're not there. You haven't picked up your Bible in years. And maybe it's 10 minutes a week. Start somewhere. Make time. It's really important. That's the first step. The second step is get a translation you can understand. Listen, there's so many different translations in the Bible. You read the, King, read the King James Version, unless you're really into Shakespeare, 
it's going to be really hard to follow. And some of you are really into Shakespeare, and the King James Version is the best version for you to read. Absolutely go for it. It is a very great literal translation of the Bible. In other words, they go back into the Greek language and the Hebrew language and the Aramaic language, and they try to find exact literal English words to correlate with the the original language of the New Testament. You need a translation like that. ESV is a good uh, everyday language kind of Bible that's kind of technical in its approach. In other words, you're not going to lose sentence structure, but... It's not going to feel like everyday conversation. So sometimes you can get lost in that. But get a translation that you can read. There are a couple of Bible apps I want to encourage you to pick up. version, just about every Bible translation under the sun. If you're looking at something that kind of hits head and heart, New Living Translation is, is pretty solid translation. It's a good translation. Just know that sometimes it goes for the idea and not the exact word. If you want to get precise in your study... You need to go to like an ESV. If you forget all of this before you leave, it's okay. You can call me, text me. I'll help you figure it out. But pick a translation, New Living Translation, uh, English Standard Version. Sometimes because so much of my world is wrapped up in the technicalities of the Bible, I read the Message Bible. I know that's like heresy in some circles because it's like a complete paraphrase and it's not a literal translation at all. Just know why you're reading what you're reading and what you're reading. It's like I'm trying to understand the heart of God. I'm trying to connect with the emotion of it and not just the information of it. Sometimes I need that. Be who you are. Use those translations. YouVersion Bible app is great. There's Bible reading plans. If you can't read, play an audio chapter a day. Some of you just, you're just not there. There's no shame in putting in the the headphones or, or plugging it in the car and listening to a chapter of the Bible on your way to work. Do something. Get a translation. Another app is Read Scripture app. That's kind of cool because it'll give you a video, the watch that tells you to overview the book of the Bible or that particular book that you're reading so you understand the context that it's written in, which is a really good thing to do. So YouVersion, Read Scripture app. Both of those are great. And then here's, here's where I really want to bring it down to home. I want you guys to ask yourself these four questions every time you read or listen to the Bible. The first question is, what does the passage say about Jesus? What does it say about God? Now, sometimes it's explicit. It says God is loving and kind. Well, the passage says God is loving and kind. Sometimes God does something that's loving and kind. You're like, oh, it's implied. But you can always see God in that passage. You start there and you answer that question. What does this teach me about God? What does it say about me when I follow him? When I actually live in relationship with him, I put this into practice in my life. What can I expect out of life? What does God offer me? The next question is the opposite of that. What does this say about me if I don't follow him? If I don't heed this truth, what can I expect? So it's like, God, what does it say about him? What does it look like if I'm living in relationship with God or not living in relationship with God? And then the last question is, what will I choose? And just really letting it call out your heart. What will I choose? When I get stuck in my Bible reading and my devotions aren't cutting it and I'm just reading and it feels like information on a page and I can't remember one verse to the next, I slow down, read smaller chunks. You know, you have chapters of the Bible and then you have those blocks of Scripture within that chapter. I just take one of those blocks and I read it and ask those four questions. And without fail, without fail, 
I learned something about God and myself. And it's through that practice, slowing down, that God rekindles a burnout and broken heart. So we'll email these to you. I'll put them on our Facebook page. This will go out this afternoon. And if you're looking for a place to begin, read the book of John. We, we covered a lot of verses today from John. It says, hey, these things are being written because. These things are being written because. It's a good place to start. The book of John. So hope this challenges and encourages today. Um, love you guys. Don't forget tonight at my house. Uh, hope you can make it uh, if you need directions or um, the address. See Andrea and I before you leave. Uh, looking forward to having dinner with you guys. Remember next week, Chris and Courtney's going away party at Scott and Amber's house. Check your email for details on that. And remember, your generosity is always appreciated. Everything that you give goes back into outreach in the community. And uh, so be sure to be generous. You can write checks here or you can go online uh, and give online. But uh, be generous with your time and your life. And, um, and we'll see you guys next week as we talk about being uh, honest to God in our views with prayer. So hope you guys have a great day. We'll see you soon.